Hello everyone and welcome to another beer review. Now today we're back on the Scottish series and it is Belhaven and it's a bit of a strange one because I've recently had a delivery from Tenants and I bought a few different beers from the Tenants Brewery Direct that I couldn't get when I was in Scotland buying the original stuff for the Scottish series and uh, what's happened with this one is that they've also got a Scottish ale because this is what we're doing today we're doing a Scottish ale but I bought a Scottish ale from the Tenants Brewery and it's 9% the Belhaven Scottish ale It's 5.2%. Apparently it's rich, nutty, smooth. <laughs> well, I've got to say that describes that that describes the average drinker of Belhaven beers. That you know, the drinker that actually enjoys the Belhaven beers and puts them on that little pedestal because you've got to be rich to afford to buy Belhaven beers. You've got to be absolutely fucking nuts to drink it. And uh Yes, you've got to be smooth. You know that type of thing. But anyway, what does it say in the back? I'm sure there'll be some piss, I mean some spiel, nonsense, whatever. Our signature Scottish ale is the beer we've brewed the longest. And is our best-selling bottle worldwide. We brew it from 100% Scottish can't even read that. Unbeset Scottish Oplick and Crystal Barley malts for a nutty biscuit character. Fucking biscuit. Seriously. Fucking assholes. Um, balanced with a subtle spiciness from the Challenger and Golding Hops for an all-round satisfying beer. So there you go, 5.2%. Again, 33ml bottle. And yeah, this was about 250 a bottle or something like that at the time. And I bought it from Green King. So, let's crack it open and see what we've got to say about it. Again! Well, I can sit here and slag off Belhaven. It is justified because I've tried nearly every beer that's sold in the repertoire and apart from the odd one that's been okay nothing great nothing good just okay average at best a lot of them have been absolute bloody disasters let's be totally honest so at the end of the day i'm quite justified by saying and reacting the way i am but i'm still optimistic and i still hope it's going to be a nice beer because i have paid money for it and i don't want another bottle of piss water because if I do, then I just really do feel that Belhaven is ripping the piss out of me. And all the rest of the poor buggers that buy the product. But anyway, let's pour it and see what it's like. Right. Hopefully this will be nice. It's the right colour. It's, it's a better colour. I like this colour better for beers. I don't know why. 
Other people know what I mean by this. Darker beers, you usually get a better chance of getting a better beer with a darker beer. There's a lot of there's a lot of lighter coloured beers that are just utter shit, and there's a lot of them. But anyway, let's see what it smells like. Just for the fucking, I keep forgetting this. For the podcast viewers, it's a kind of uh, slightly copperish brown ale with a one finger head. Slightly off white, not fully tan, but definitely not white, so it's slightly off white. Smell? Well, I'm getting malts, which is one of the problems because I've had with quite a few Scottish beers is you get a nice aroma of malt and everything else, but the flavour just isn't there to back it up. You just like, you, the smell is and the aromas is far stronger than the actual flavour, and that's just like, what the hell is that about? But yes. And I'm getting toffier notes, not so much caramel, getting more toffier notes from the aromas of the malt. And that's really it. Then we get a hint of grain. Just a hint of grain, but mostly it's just toffee malt kind of smells. And that's really it. So, let's see what it tastes like. Right, I'm, I'm going to refrain from commenting at the moment because it started off quite well, but it didn't finish particularly well. But that might just be my mouth getting acclimatised. So what I'll do is I'll have another couple of sips and have a little chat with you while I'm doing it. And, uh, and we'll see where it goes. Uh, hopefully it will get better as my mouth gets acclimatised to it. But yeah, the, the aftertaste is uh, the weakest point. <laughs> at this precise moment hopefully that will get better but uh, I feel uh, over the years of trying kind of Scottish beers because obviously I lived outside of the UK for quite a period so um, I hadn't been near Scottish beers for a long time and uh, over 10 years so Coming back to it, I'm quite kind of disappointed with the state of what we call the more traditional Scottish beers. Yeah, there's plenty of kind of craft beers firing out, whatever fanciful piss they want to kind of fire out, which is great and wonderful. But I think that uh, the more traditional Scottish beers have been kind of fallen by the wayside, unfortunately, and kind of forgotten about in a lot of ways. I mean, there is some that are okay, but I mean, you've got a few different kind of breweries that make okay kind of traditional Scottish beers, but they're nowhere near. I mean, as a good example, my favourite heavy was Driver's Heavy. And their pubs were kind of navy blue um, pubs around about Glasgow and the kind of west coast and things like that. And you always got a cracking pint of heavy, seriously. It was addictive. I mean, it really was. Um, if you liked heavy... Well, you couldn't really see past that from that point of view. And yeah, I loved it. And it's just a shame that that beer was lost 
with all the kind of pissing about with buying over breweries and shutting them down. Why the hell would you shut them down when they've got such a good product? And why would you ignore that product and not want to continue it? It just makes you wonder that, what the fuck? You don't know anything about brewing. And you certainly don't give a shit about your customers either. So when you lose really good quality beers like that, and uh, it's replaced with utter piss water, and especially nowadays, it's just really saddening uh, from that point of view. And I just would like to have a, I mean, that's what I'm probably more looking for. I just like a good standard heavy, a good quality heavy that's kind of closer to the vein of what Drybras was firing out and that type of stuff. You're not asking for much. You're not asking for the world. You're not asking for something that's unobtainable or things like that. But for some strange reason, they either want to try and overdo it and oh look at this, this is a fabulous one because we've done this and that to it and you're thinking, Jesus God. It's in your face and you're thinking, you've lost the kind of drinkability. Yes, you've maybe packed it full of flavours and it's busy as fuck and everything else and it's very complicated and oh, aren't we so wonderful? And you're thinking, no, you aren't because heavy is supposed to be, you know, a good standard traditional heavy is supposed to be sessionable. It's like the Scottish equivalent of a, of a good bitter from that point of view. But it's just not there. And then, of course, you get the ones that are more sessionable, but they're weak as water. You just, you know, it's like, there's just the flavour isn't there, the intensity isn't there. So it's got the sessionability, but it just hasn't got the flavours that you just don't want to go back for another drink, you know, from that point of view. So let's see what this is like now. It's not good, boys and girls. What the fuck is going on with that bloody aftertaste? <laughs> That's a strange one. Kind of a weird aftertaste. It's a kind of slightly earthy kind of how to explain. It's like an earthiness meets a kind of a rusty cast iron downpipe. Uh, for anybody outside the UK, a downpipe is basically is the pipe that basically carries the water from your guttering down to the ground where it's either spills out in the ground or goes down some sort of kind of a underground um, pipe work or soak away, you know, from that point of view, but yeah. You know what makes it worse? It's quite in your face malt at the front of the mouth, quite in your face. To the point is, it, also, it almost tastes kind of slightly false. It's just too malty, you know, from that point of view that it doesn't taste natural. And this is one of the things I was kind of worried about. Um, a lot of people haven't kind of understood when I was talking about certain additives that are added to beer. That if used in a certain way can be quite good for beer and that's what they were originally used for was to basically help support beer in the past when there was basically deficiencies in the raw materials like the grain, like the malt, that type of stuff, and you could utilise it to kind of 
boost the beer and give it a little kind of boost and that was kind of invert sugars or inverted sugars which we've had plenty of debates on but I will cover it in more detail in a video when I'm doing my kind of brewing series which is going to be starting very soon so I will explain more where the big problem is with inverted sugar or invert sugar where it's actually being used by some breweries and it's becoming common practice by some breweries is to buy doctored inverted sugars to use it as a slight kind of malt replacement um, from that point of view and I'll explain that and I'll show them what the, what the problem is and uh, if you're adding anything to a beer to boost it that's fine if you're adding something to a beer so you can actually reduce the amount of natural ingredients in the beer then to me that's bad and unfortunately there is you've got to understand with the brewing industry there's a lot of shysters in the brewing industry not just with beer but right across all spectrums of the brewing industry and unfortunately there's plenty of them in in the beer brewing industry that are taking easy shortcuts and everything else and uh, that's why I can understand certain parts of using inverted sugar but in other ways where it's now being used I certainly don't agree with and I think it's just unacceptable in some aspects because they are actually using it as a replacement and reducing the natural product because unfortunately the natural product takes a lot more work and energy to get these flavours out and they're also more expensive so if they can actually reduce that amount and all the kind of associated work and costs that come with processing it and then replace it with a doctored invert sugar and this is another thing what they're doing is I really don't agree with they're doing some kind of real dodgy stuff I mean even to the point is that you can buy inverted sugar and even sometimes the inverted sugar isn't what you actually think you're getting especially like say if you take a demerara sugar You've got a demerara sugar, which is the number four inverted sugar. And uh, one of the major things is how they classify inverted sugars. They actually class it by colorization. That's how they do it in Europe. And uh, <clears throat> what they can do is they can take a standard white sugar, just a standard normal sucrose sugar, invert it. But before they invert it, they actually caramelize it first. So what they do is they heat it up so it basically starts to brown. But they don't do a, what we call a strong caramelization. They'll do a light caramelization and then just keep doing it. So it's like a slow boil, just to change the color. So when they use that for inverting and they invert that, they can then sell it as a number four, even though it's actually only a number three or whatever and that type of stuff. So there's a lot of jiggly pokery in the actual open market. So what you may be buying might not actually be what you're getting. So there's that problem. But then also what they do is they'll do what's known as a heavy caramelization inverted sugar which basically gives you a lot of these kind of caramel and toffee notes which you can then use to um, substitute <clears throat> malt to a certain degree yes you'll still use malt but I mean it reduces the amount of malt you have to use in certain beers and then you can promote that and of course that's a false that that's not adding extra flavor that's not helping to boost it that's actually being um, shady from that point of view you're basically uh reducing the natural products and replacing it with a, a doctor product 
and that's one of the problems that's happening quite a lot with quite a lot of breweries. And uh, just by this one, it just the malt kind of toffee flavour is just too much to be natural from that point of view. That aftertaste, fucking hell. Right, let's break down the flavours. What you're doing is you're getting this really over-accentuated kind of toffee flavouring. Really over-accented toffee flavouring at the start of the mouth. But you also get this sweetness. But the two of them don't seem to be linked. Normally it's the case as though you get, you know, malty flavours at the start of the mouth and you also get some sort of sweetness that's connected and depending on the kind of malt and everything else depending on the level of sweetness and things like that and that's what they do the two of them are kind of linked unfortunately you have this kind of sweetness that seems to be completely disconnected from this really intense toffee kind of malty flavor and alarm bells are ringing to me that that does not taste natural and then you get the little hints of, of grain there as well. But the grain's really taking a backseat, which is again, got me alarm bells ringing because usually you get the kind of, I think the tri flavours at the start of a beer is you'll get malt, you'll get grain, and you'll get some form of sweetness. Again, level of sweetness all depends on what kind of malt you're using and things like that. But the three of them are kind of all kind of interlinked. That's why people kind of mistake it for this kind of biscuity flavour, which is all bollocks. Malt does not taste of biscuit. Malt tastes of basically caramels and toffees and all that type of stuff. And then, of course, it can go further on to be tasting of kind of bitterness and that type of stuff. So you can certainly get slight chocolatey flavours, hints of coffee and that type of stuff because it's been roasted so much that you're starting to get this kind of... Uh, Bitterness is kind of slightly molasses kind of flavourings and things like that. But with this, it just does not seem to be connected, which makes me think that the reason why it feels not connected because it isn't. And that tells me, kind of, makes me kind of feel that there's something false in it. Then you move on to the kind of mid tongue. Now, this is a strange, but this is where you start getting little hints of earthiness, which is kind of unusual. The the malt flavour again doesn't really dissipate, it's kinda it lightens up a bit, but it's still what I would say would be too too strong for the mid tongue as well. The sweetness it doesn't move either, it just kinda sits there. And the grain slightly dissipates and you just start to get this kind of earthiest kind of tones. Which unfortunately start to amplify when you move on to the, the aftertaste. And yeah, you just get this really kind of earthiness with kind of slightly, kind of, not so much metallic, but more kind of, you know, if you ever smelt, you know, like nails in a pail of water and you know, that type of stuff, you know, kind of, you know, you maybe left them, because that's what they used to do, they used to put nails in pails and that type of stuff or buckets when they were utilising them and uh, just to lift them up and down and then maybe a couple of nails have been left in the bottom and it's rained and of course some water's got into the bucket and they just basically, you just smell it. It's that kind of rusty kind of nails or rusty kind of water kind of smell that you're getting. 
but you're getting a slight kind of a, a aromas and slight kind of um, flavour with this kind of mixed in with this kind of earthiness and the aftertaste. So there's no bitterness. There's just this. That's the kind of two main flavours in the aftertaste, and it's just really quite off. So you've got the kind of over-accentuated kind of toffee flavours in the front of the mouth and the mid-tongue. And then you have this really kind of unconnected kind of aftertaste and it just does not feel cohesive in any way. And, that, and either they've really made an arse of brewing this, but I don't think they have. I don't think they've made an arse of brewing this. I think they've been basically swapping out some ingredients or pissing about with some ingredients and uh, that's the problem when you're adding stuff that isn't really natural because what are you really adding from that point of view and uh, while I don't mind brain sugars and inverted sugars for what we call more justifiable and normal reasons if you're utilizing it to kind of uh, replace good quality natural ingredients or to reduce the amount of good quality natural ingredients natural ingredients that are used in the beer then alarm bells are ringing that, that, that's not a good thing that's not a good trend to go down um, from that point of view no it's just trying to see if my mouth needs to acclimatise but no it just it, it tastes very syrupy as well and yeah it's a bit as natural as a toffee apple now I don't know what they're like in any, any other place in the world but you used to go to the shows or the fair in the UK and you got a toffee apple yeah well just died kind of crispy sugar nothing toffee about it really from that point of view and you're just getting that kind of flavour where it's does not taste kind of natural which again is a bit disappointing it's not really my cup of tea and I just don't feel that the flavours well they're not my cup of tea as well they just don't feel as if they're natural so what would I give this out of 10 fuck not again seriously not again Fuck's sake, Belhaven, seriously. Nobody can make that many shit beers for fuck's sake. It's, 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 it's some sort of fucking. Oh, honestly, I don't know. Anyway, what can I give this out of 10? I can give this 4 out of 10. Give this 4 out of 10. But, would I recommend it? No. If you want to give it a go, give it a go and see what it's like. And I'm probably sure I'll get comments saying that, oh, I've tried this and it's wonderful and it's great. Well, that's brilliant. But for me, my alarm bells are ringing. I don't feel this is 100% natural in any way, shape or form. Something's going on. And uh, the flavours, just the intensities are all over the place. They're just... No, it just does not mimic natural ingredients, how they would basically be in a beer. 
unless the recipe is just so off, which I don't, because even with natural greens, you just would not get flavours to that intensity um, without being connected to other flavours. You mean you just wouldn't get that? They're just disjointed and not connected. So yeah, four out of ten. It's uh, just over a couple of quid a bottle. It's 330 millilitres, it's 5.2%. 4 out of 10. Try it if you want, but I wouldn't recommend it. Thanks for watching. Cheers. Bye for now.